Welcome to the New York Mandate podcast, where we take a look at the costs and consequences of New York's COVID-19 vaccine mandates. I'm Amy, and in this series, I'll be talking with people who have been directly affected by mandates about their perspectives and experiences. So I am here today with uh, Jennifer Mortensen, who is joining me on Zoom. Um, She's a teacher and taught in the New York City public school system for how long? 20 years. 20 years. Yeah, since October 2000. So how's the weather in Tennessee? (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of muggy today, actually. Okay, I am. You are now in Tennessee. Yes. Um, and I'm I'm talking to you uh, from New York City. You're in Tennessee, and we're going to talk about the reason that you're there. Okay. Um, because you you left New York City um, as a result of the vaccine mandates that were rolled out for teachers uh, that are <clears throat> that are employed by the public school system here. Correct. So, um. So why don't we just begin by um, you telling me what that process was like for you? When did you first hear about the mandates and then how did that whole process unfold? Okay. Um, Well, I know when we started school back in the fall of 2020, it wasn't quite normal because typically, you know, we go back in September and they didn't open up the doors until October. Um, Working about a month, Cuomo, who was governor of New York at the time, decided to shut down the doors because the positivity rate was a certain percentage. So, um, you know, I sat at home for a couple of months. When schools reopened back up for middle school in February of 2021, they had now implemented through the union a mandatory testing protocol. Um, and it was completely uh, just random, like 20% of staff and students would be tested weekly. When I got back to school, I refused to sign the paper and I refused testing, I, you know, PCR testing. I said, I'm not a sick person. <clears throat> this goes against my you know, bodily sovereignty and autonomy. And uh, I was put on unpaid leave until I consented. So that lasted a couple of days. Um, It was really traumatic. My benefits were taken away, my direct deposit. Um, I was escorted out of the building and it was just uh, not not a good thing. Um, Came back, I had to sign a form that said if I ever refused, I would be put on unpaid leave longer and be punished harsher. That was back in March of 2021. Uh, school year ended in June of 2021. And, um, you know, there was talk from the union leader, Michael Mulgrew, that there, you know, would be possibly a mandate, possibly not. It was all up in the air. And throughout the summer, I just kind of saw the writing on the wall with the mandatory testing and already there was cases to try to fight that. And, um, you know, at that point, I knew I had to get out of the school system. And I had been, um, you know, making my plan to get out of New York, you know, right when they decided to shut down the schools and go remote. Um, So I actually resigned as of September 9th, 2021. And um, the mandates came down in October of 2021. So luckily I was out of New York City before that hit me. but a lot of my 
teacher friends are still out of work because of these mandates. So that's basically in a nutshell how the, the timing went. So what were you teaching? Uh, I was teaching sixth grade language arts and social studies. And um, my co-partner taught the math and the science and we switched off. And it was not a um, traditional school year because we had about six or seven kids in each cohort. There were three cohorts. We saw them once a week. Every three weeks, we'd see them three days. And it was just, I did not feel like I was teaching at that point. It was just the building was eerily, eerily quiet. And going in every day from March to June, knowing that I might be called to test was, you know, pretty nerve wracking on a day to day basis. And, um, you know, I was just making my my plan to get out because, again, I, I saw the writing on the wall that things would be coming down. And I'm glad that <clears throat> I took action before this uh, you know, transpired. So I think that most people that I've talked to um you know who haven't complied with the mandates they they kind of didn't think too much about the initial testing requirements um they didn't have you know strong objections necessarily to those a lot of people were okay with testing and other kinds of you know public health measures that were being taken and then when the mandates came along they said no like that's that's a bridge too far i don't want to take a vaccine um, that's a violation of my uh, bodily autonomy. Right. Um, but you, from the very beginning, felt that way. So I, I wonder why, you know, explain why from the very beginning you objected to, to even the testing measures and the very early things they were doing. Uh, it just, it didn't make sense to me. Why are you testing, you know, first off, this is a school building. This is not a medical facility. You know, if I don't feel well, if another teacher doesn't feel well, if a student doesn't feel well, then you take care of your own health as we've always done. Uh, it did not make sense to me <clears throat> that you were going to, they were going to randomly just bring in their whole testing entourage into the school building, pick arbitrary names. I mean, if you're picking 20% of the school, what about the other 80% that, you know, gets uh, a free pass as, as I saw it. And I just did not believe in this. I am not a sick person. Um, and if I was sick, I would take care of my health as I've done in the past 20 years. If I'm that ill, I won't come to work. So I, I saw this as a violation of my, my rights in, in every which way. So the, the argument that they were making at the time, I think was, um, that the virus could be spread without symptoms right asymptomatically and they were trying to sort of like spot test some percentage of people to figure out if the virus was was spreading this this was not a compelling argument for you no no and if a student had not consented to the test they would not allow them in school they would make them just do fully remote and a lot of parents were not willing to sign these consent forms. They did not want their children um, tested. And I, I just, this just came out of the blue because I was working, you know, for months with, without having to, to do this. I just really saw this as an infringement on my basic bodily autonomy. 
and my freedoms. You were you were uh, teaching <clears throat> Queens, right? Yes, Queens. Yeah. About how many students? Um, how many students did you teach, and how how big was the school? Uh, the school was a middle school, grades five through eight. The whole school had about sixteen hundred students in a class, typically about 30, 31 students. That was average class size. Mm -hmm. Some years might have been a little more, 32, 33, um, but pretty much 30, 30 students. And in the 20 years that I was teaching there, we get about 10 combined sick and personal days. I left with 150 days. So I never got sick. Um, I was always at my job, you know. So I, again, I'm not a sick person. <clears throat> and if I did not feel well, in 20 years, I would stay home. Right, right. You know, I didn't need someone to pull me aside to randomly test me, um, which I thought was ridiculous. And every time uh, somebody did test positive, they would shut the school down. And then they would make phone calls and contact trace. And, you know, that in itself was very stressful, too, to have to get phone calls and be threatened someone's gonna to come to my house. And this, this was protocol every time a student was positive. They would email everybody, they would call everybody. Um, I mean, this is just not a way to live. Was it, so you were teaching in that same school for all of your career? For all of my career, yeah. Wow, okay. <laughs> I did teach different sites for summer school. Um, so, I mean, that was a little bit different because summer school wasn't always held at my school, but, you know, that was the only school I ever taught in. And, um, you know, I took a lot of pride going into work every day and being on time and giving it, you know, the best I could, um, you know, dealing with kids on a day-to-day -day basis. And, you know, like I said, I accumulated 150 days after 20 years. So, you know, I'm a pretty healthy person. Mm-hmm. How did you become a teacher? I actually had a friend who was teaching at the time and said, this would be a great job. Um, out of college, I graduated with a Bachelor of Art in Urban Studies. I didn't know what I was going to do with that. I worked in different administrative jobs, customer service jobs, paralegal jobs, until one day a friend said, oh, I think you'd like teaching. And at that point, all you needed was a four-year college degree. I took the test, I got fingerprinted, I filed the paperwork, um, I had an interview at a job fair and I got the job. And, you know, after that I had five years to get my master's degree. Mm. So, you know, that was since October 10th, 2000 was when I walked into the classroom for the first time. And, uh, you know, 20 years I gave to that building <laughs> in New York City. What did you uh, do for your master's degree? Uh, elementary education. Okay, all right. You had to do something in education. But at the time that I was hired, you just needed a four-year bachelor's degree. Mm -hmm. You didn't even need it in education. Um, you just had to work your way up and get a master's in education. I never student taught in my life. It was just throw me into the walls. So <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting. But you must have really enjoyed it because you stayed yeah, there was, you know, challenges. Um, <laughs> but I mean, for the most part, every year was a new year, new curriculum, new teachers, new administration, sometimes, you know, classroom, they moved you around different teammates. So it never was boring. It was every year was different. Mm -hmm. Did you um, 
over that period of time, over 20 years, did you see um, things change in your school, in the New York school system? What kind of evolution did you see happen? Um, I mean, curriculum changes here and there. Um, but for the most part, I just, you know, I noticed the students as, you know, the years went on and technology became more prevalent, their ability to sit still and focus became harder to compete with uh, social media and, you know, de devices and everything. I never had a smart board or anything in my classroom. I, I never use any type of technology in my 20 years, really. I had laptops the last like one or two years. Mm. Um, but I was old school, paper, pen, you know, books, workbooks, things like that, articles. Um, but I just think, you know, uh, technology evolving, kids didn't want to look up words in dictionary. They didn't want to uh, look up encyclopedias. And I remember the librarian always saying that research starts in books, <laughs> you know. So I would take them to the library and, um, you know, when technology kind of came out, it was just like, you know, Google this, Google that. So, you know, that was pretty much um, most of the changes that I saw. I never really, you know, had any other, you know, concerns or, or issues. Mm -hmm. So then when the pandemic happened, um, you went full technology. <laughs> yeah, we had, wow. uh, we were told we needed to come in. We had three days to learn how to use Google Classroom, set up an account, email everyone an invitation. And um, from November 2020, up until February 2021, it was just, it was horrible. I mean, just having to sit at home behind a computer, you know, just looking at either no faces, and I didn't even want to show my face. I said, I'm a teacher in person, you know, to have to sit there and sit behind a computer. I feel like, you know, this is my home. This is not something where, you know, they should be coming into my homes and vice versa. Having to see kids laying down, brushing their hair, holding their pet, their parents in the background, you know, and I'm like, this is not a way to teach at all. Um, you know, and at that point I said, I, I, I need to be teaching in person. This is, this is not what I've been doing for 20 years. And, you know, mentally it was not healthy for the students, not healthy for the adults. I personally think. How did you see your students responding to that experience? Some of them didn't even log on and, you know, we were supposed to make phone calls and chase them. I mean, that was more so, uh, for summer school in the summer of 2020. And I spent so much time trying to, to chase them. Um, a lot of them just, they wanted to be in school. They just expressed, you know, like no enthusiasm and just being at home, I think made them a lot more complacent in, in education. Were they required to come to class online? You, they were supposed to, and you were supposed to take attendance and also make phone calls. And I said, you know, this, this is really, you know, ridiculous. If their parents are not going to make them get online and they know, you know, what's going on, uh, how am I going to make them do that? And, uh, you know, it was just, it was not typical. So it was, it was a little challenging 
to try to get this. And I didn't even look at it as, as school at all. I don't know what it was, but it, it wasn't school, the school that I was used to being in the classroom. So did you, um, okay, so did, with those students that you were teaching online with for some period, did you end up getting back in the classroom with those kids at some point or, or did you not? Uh, yeah, we, yeah, in February 2021, when, you know, Cuomo deemed it safe to open up the school in phases. First, they had elementary school in December of 2020, um, then middle schools February, and then high schools March. Um, so it was only for a couple of months that, you know, they came back into the building, but it was still not a normal school year, sitting there with, you know, six kids at a time. Um, they weren't, I had to move classrooms and that's another thing. I've always had my own classroom. I had to pick up all my materials and go, you know, between three, three different floors because the kids had to stay put and the teachers had to move. And, um, you know, that just wasn't, I wasn't looking forward to that at all. Even being back in the building, they were not allowed to go to the lunchroom. They had to sit and eat their lunch in the classroom. They were limited to movements. There was no librarian because they used the library. It was just very eerie and quiet. And this this wasn't school, you know. Meanwhile, my mother, who moved to Tennessee twelve years ago, said schools are open here. <laughs> you know, life is normal here and and other parts of the country. And you know, when I heard that, I'm like, I I've got to, you know, be able to teach in another type of environment. This is not healthy for me. Um, so that's when I knew I had to get out. So, um, even though students are back in school here now in, right. in the building, yes. um, but, um, waiting for that to happen was not enough of a solution for you because then you would have faced the, the vaccine mandate. Correct. You, and you don't want to take a vaccine. No. Yeah. No. Why, why have you decided that? Why do you not want to take a vaccine? I have a lot of, you know, I've never even had a flu shot at all. You know, I take care of my own health. You know, I try to eat well, I take vitamins and you know, I've never been told that you have to do anything. Um, and when, you know, all the advertising and the campaigns and uh, the bribes, you know, the hundred dollars to get this or the free French fries or to enter you into, a, you know, the lottery, or you know, pay for your college education. When all of these incentives and bribes came out, I said, you know, there's something wrong with that. If you have to bribe somebody to take something, um, that should definitely be a red flag. And you know, like I said, I never even had a flu shot in my life. Twenty years teaching, never had the flu. You know, I'm certainly not going to uh, listen to somebody who's telling me, you know, you need to take this, you need to take it to keep your job. Where, uh, you know, life in other places, even out in, the, in Long Island <clears throat> was not demanding any of this. It just, it didn't make any sense. And, you know, I just did not agree with that. Mm -hmm. So you, you wouldn't have considered um, filing for an exemption. Some people have filed for religious exemptions, medical exemptions, different things like that. 
I actually started in uh, the summer of 2021. I started, you know, constructing my uh, religious exemption letters, um, knowing that I might need that. And this was, you know, a few months prior to the mandates coming out. And uh, I never finished that letter um, because I was, you know, offered a job uh, last August of 2021. So I, I didn't need to complete that. Um, but I do know that many, many of my teacher friends' exemptions have been denied, and they're still sitting at home out on unpaid leave. And, um, you know, I think it's just absolutely um, horrible, the situation that we've been put in, and that our own union is not even um, backing us up or supporting us against this mandate, which came from originally Mayor de Blasio. And Eric Adams is uh, continuing that mandate and not backing uh, up on it. Mm -hmm. So there, there is a, an aspect of religious conviction for you in not wanting to take a vaccine. This particular one, yes. Yes, I just have a lot of, you know, personal, religious, moral, um, you know, I just, I just don't think that this is something that um, I feel comfortable doing. And I do, you know, have my faith and trust God, you know, for my health and for anything else. We take chances, you step out the door, um, you know, but I, I just don't think that anybody should be forced to do anything they're not comfortable with, um, with or without a religious exemption. We should just be able to say, no, we don't want it. Um, but to strong arm and coerce to keep a job, that's not right. So you were talking about the union. Um, tell me about the union. Um, you were talking about the UFT, which is the um, United, United Federation of Teachers. Um, and, and that's the major union for teachers in New York City. For right. Um, so what, what are your thoughts about the union and how they approach this whole issue? Well, they didn't even back me up when I was put out on unpaid leave for refusing just the testing. So, you know, if they didn't even do this, they're not, you know, backing up teachers on these vaccine mandates. And I, I just couldn't believe um, that a union I was paying into for 20 years and the last couple of months that I was working, I pulled out my um, COPE payment that was something to do with the political campaign um, part, portion of my, my union dues, um, they did not support me. My union rep in my building also did not support me. Um, you know, I had spoken to her about this, this testing issue and she just really is not, was not even on my side trying to help me with any of this. Um, and I recall her telling me, um, it's people like you that are driving up these variants. And um, she was very cynical and totally unsupportive of me. And I was kind of the black sheep of the building. Um, sad to say, you know, nobody really stood with me in, in my building. But I know collectively many, many teachers in other schools that are in the exact same position as me that have either been terminated, um, still uh, been denied their exemptions, have left the state or trying to leave the state, um, just so many different situations. 
So I, I'm not the only one. Mm -hmm. But the union really is, is not supporting its teachers in this issue. So um, when you're a New York City um, school teacher, um, you know, the union, you have a lot of uh, benefits through, um, through that system, through the right. um, Department of Education, the DOE. Um, so, and especially after 20 years, right? <laughs> you, you've accrued a lot. Um, tell me a little bit about what you lost when you walked away from that. Well, I lost really good medical benefits that were paid for. Um, you know, part of my union dues went for the dental and the vision. So I did lose a lot of benefits. Um, I am vested so that when I do turn 55, I can officially retire from New York City and collect a pension. Um, you know, I withdrew my tax deferred annuity um, because I needed some money <laughs> to move and uh, get a car and other expenses. Um, you know, I had to pay a lot in federal tax. Um, I owe the IRS the early withdrawal. So I, you know, I lost a lot, um, leaving all those, those benefits behind. I do have medical now as a teacher, but I do pay into it. And it's nothing like New York City benefits. Um, it's a completely different system. So I, I left a, a salary too, huge salary. It's like a big, big pay cut, also leaving New York City. You know, we would get a set amount of raises after so many years. You know, I had my master's degree and 30 credits above that with my 20 year longevity. Um, so I was almost at the, the top salary. Another couple of years, I would have, you know, reached the top. So I left a, a sizable salary also from New York City. How does it compare in terms of... Um you know, how the, how the cost of living and salary uh, shake out, you know, between Tennessee and New York, you, you, the cost of living there is a lot lower than New York City. So, you know, a lot of people do think that, I mean, gas is, is lower, um, you know, from a family of three, my son just got his license last year. He's 18. Now we had one car in New York City. Now we have three cars. So we had to purchase two additional cars. Mm. So I don't necessarily look at it like it's a lot less because now we have additional expenses that I wouldn't have had living in the city. Right. Um, rents are going up. You know, my rent is less than what I paid in New York City, but, you know, my salary is a whole lot less also. So it's, there is no state or uh, state tax or city tax. So that's the one thing that they don't deduct from my paycheck. Um, but, you know, food is pretty much uh, the same. Uh, my electricity feels like it's the same. Uh, I, I feel like everything is, you know, hasn't changed much. Uh, maybe if, you know, we didn't have all these cars and car insurance and having to gas three cars up, you know, it might feel a little um, less, but, um, you know, I'm making do. Do you... Um... Can you kind of compare 
the community of teachers that you knew here and kind of how they how they were living and the teachers that you know there is there is there just like a general um difference or similarity in standard of living or um you know work-life balance or <laughs> all these things how, how does it compare being a teacher there to being a teacher here you know i feel like we actually put in a lot more um hours and there are some more demands placed on us like everybody has um you know three four times a year we have morning and afternoon duty that's um you know one of our responsibilities you know, wait for the cars, wait for the buses. It's like half an hour before work and half an hour after work. Um, you know, I have less prep time than I did in New York City. Um, my hours, you know, I, I feel my school day is a little longer. Um, you know, it's still the typical 180 days. It's just spread out differently with the breaks and the vacations and the holidays. Um, you know, I'm still getting to know a lot of the teachers. Um, you know, but we, we do work hard. Um, and teachers in New York City worked, you know, hard too, but there was a lot of uh, after-school paid opportunities. If you had to do bus duty in the morning or the afternoon, this is just part of our our job now. And uh, there is no union here uh, where I am in in Tennessee, so that's another difference. I don't have that uh, political, you know, middle man person and any of that nonsense that went on in in New York City. Are there, so everybody's are there, very nice though and supportive here. Right. Are there pros and cons though to not having a union? Um, like they negotiated a, a higher salary here in New York, presumably. Mm -hmm. That's why that is. But uh, are there things that were <laughs> that you lost to not having? Yeah. A union? Well, I mean, I I guess if you know your job was in jeopardy here, you'd have nobody to uh, speak up on your behalf or you know, you're not protected by the same, um, you know, group as in New York City. If you ever had an issue, you always had your union rep with you if something went wrong. So I guess you have to just be a little bit more, you know, cautious and careful and realize you're kind of on your own. And I'm, you know, starting at square one. So I don't have tenure yet, which also makes me a little worried um, that it does take several years to achieve that. Um, status because I worry in New York City I never had to worry about you know my job once I was appointed and tenured um, and in the system for a while you know there were other people that if they were going to let a position go there'd probably be like you know 20 people in the building under me so I never had to worry about that so you know I do worry will there be a job for me next year Mm -hmm. And if not, then what, I get thrown back into the pool, I have to apply and find another job in the county. So it's not like in New York, if you were excess from a job, they would just put you someplace else as, you know, like a long-term sub or some other type of position. So that's another thing that's a little bit different here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what about just the general move? <laughs> like you were talking about having to, you know, get more cars because you don't have public transportation like in New York. But you you always lived in New York before you moved there? Always. Queens. Always lived in Queens my entire oh, life. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah, OK, so that's a huge change. It is. <laughs> you have to drive everywhere here. You can't just I'm so used to, you know, 
where I came from, just, you know, one or two blocks away, you can go to the deli. Um, you know, even during my lunch hour at school, when I worked in Queens, just go across the street for a nice coffee here. It's, you have to get in your car and they don't have the same types of delis and, um, you know, stores and things like that. And if I want to go to a Trader Joe's, I have to drive an hour and a half to Nashville. If I wanted some of these, uh, you know, bigger stores that were, you know, minutes from me living in, in Queens. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of different, you know, I've had to adapt to a lot of things that I was just used to is, in is New York. There, is there an element of uh, culture shock, just differences in the culture? <laughs> oh, definitely. I mean, there's a, uh, actually, there's a lot of people coming from New York, California, Michigan, um, down here. But, um, you know, uh, people do things differently. Um, things are definitely a lot of the terminology. I've never heard of some of the expressions. Um, people are very, very nice. They're very, very kind. But it's, it's a little harder, you know, to make friends because it, culture is completely different. Mm -hmm. You know, same thing with, with my son. You know, he's you know, having a harder time, you know, fitting in, making friends than when he was in New York City. Mm -hmm. So he kind of feels like an outsider. And sometimes I do also, but, you know, I have to remember that, uh, you know, I kind of uh, have to go with the flow. Right. And what about people's views on the pandemic? Um, vaccine mandates, um, the whole public policy approach to how that was handled. You know, it's just so funny. When I walked into my new school building, you know, August, the end of August last year, 2021, not one mention. When I had the online interview, I had asked uh, the principal and assistant principals, oh, you know, by the way, are, are kids, you know, forced to wear a mask because it's so hard to hear them. And they said, no, the county got rid of that. They leave that up to the parents. And I just wanted to cry at that point. Um, no mention of anything, virus, pandemic, nothing, no sanitizing, no six feet apart. You'd never know. Life here is completely normal. Um, I get hugs from my students every day. Um, they sit next to each other. They have sports. They go to the lunchroom. There's field trips, uh, there's dances. It's life is so normal. Nobody talks about it. Nobody obsesses about it. And if people have had vaccines, they're not trying to talk you into it. There's no mandate. There's no forced testing. There's no element of, you know, you have to do this. Um, you know, I wouldn't have moved down here if, if there was. So it's like life is so normal here. It's just amazing. And it, it just, when I think about it, how am I too dangerous to teach in New York City? But for the past nine months, 10 months living in Tennessee, I'm completely safe. And, you know, as if nothing had happened here. Right. Did you, when you were in New York during the pandemic or during the height of the pandemic, <laughs> because Queens was, um, a huge that that was one of the places that was considered uh, especially western queens near i think where where you were mm -hmm. was considered the epicenter of the pandemic for a while um did you 
did you see that? Did you see people around you um, being ill? Did What was your experience of just the pandemic? I, I didn't see anyone around me that I personally knew at all. Um, you know, I know anywhere I would go, I would see people masking up outside. And I know, you know, the signs at the door, um, you know, that masks are required in stores. You know, it just, I didn't want to go into stores because I personally did not believe in that. And I would get into some confrontations with some of the shop owners and, and cashiers. Again, like this is a, a freedom issue, um, you know, but at, at school, it was just, I, I remember one teacher would run away from me when I would come out of the bathroom. She just crossing the street, she went to the other side of the street. You, you know, had some people that were truly afraid if they didn't see you wearing a mask. And uh, it, was, it was just a very, you know, divisive thing that you saw people's true colors, how they were. And um, it was, there would be so many teachers that would be so proud of getting their shots. They would put um, on social media, they would put the badges around their profile pictures. They would just boast. I mean, it was just, I had to get out of that, you know, conversation. And, um, you know, it was, it was, again, very divisive. I, I think that there are a lot of people who um, think that people who are around children need to take measures to protect the children and that the vaccines are protective, right? There, that that was, um, I think, the public health messaging about that, right? Um, that <clears throat> children were, there's a lot of talk about Miss C, the illness that some children were having as a result of uh, COVID. Um, and the, there was, you know, children were, were considered less susceptible, but it was possible that they could get sick. And so there were, the, there were a lot of people who felt that people who worked with children should do it as a protective measure. You, you don't accept that. You don't, no. That no. You don't no. think children were in danger in any way. No, I, I mean, you know, like I said, 20 years being around kids, you know, I never, you know, got sick. I mean, you had the occasional kid that was, you know, absent here and there, um, but schools did not shut down. They didn't shut down the classroom. I mean, they could have had a stomach bug, you know, pink eye, the flu, a cold, strep throat, you know, but you just, you didn't hear about it. Um, and no, nobody was obsessed about, you know, any of this and any of this stuff. And it was just, it got way, it spiraled way out of control, the level of, uh, you know, it wasn't even the kids. I think the adults were more scared of, you know, the unvaccinated and teachers. Mm -hmm. well, that's how I feel like I was perceived, you know, like I was, you know, the, the danger in the building. Right. Right. But you didn't see any children uh, become ill. No. Yeah. No, I didn't. No. 
So um, the the school that you're working in now, did they um, did they shut down at all during the pandemic? No. Um, well, <laughs> not for the time that I was here. Yeah. And you know they might have for you know like a you know a month or two, um, from what I've heard. But you know last school year and it, like everything was open, um, so it might have been a very brief thing. And from what I've heard, you know, the governor was just like, we're just opening up, you know, um, if schools don't open up, then, you know, we're something with the federal funding I read or something. Um, but pretty much, you know, life is normal here, maybe, you know, one or two months, the school year ends the end of May anyway. So they might have been shut down for one or two months that year. Mm -hmm. But in, uh, you know, 2021, they were open. So life was normal, <laughs> like September, 2020, you know, that whole school year was normal. And then last school year, when I started, everything was normal. Do you see a difference in the students that you have in Tennessee um, who went through the pandemic, mostly being in school and the students that you saw after the, all of the, um, you know, school they, <laughs> happens right they students now seem completely unaffected um you know they seem completely normal you know their lifestyle is very different what they do for fun they go hunting they go fishing they go swimming you know you don't hear i don't hear hardly about kids sitting home on video games or being you know sheltered in um so I feel, you know, school was maybe shut down for a very, very brief time. So they've been, you know, in normal school, yeah. having friends and doing sports. And, you know, like I said, they've had that whole outdoor um, living and it's so different, um, you know, to hear about a 10 year old going deer hunting or <laughs> fishing. And I'm like, wow, you know, this is kind of cool. I've never heard about this in New York City. So, you know, I'm learning a lot, like, wow, I've never even, you know, held a gun. <laughs> I've never held a fishing pole. I've never done any of these things. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Do you, I mean, do you see differences in, in the kids, just like cultural differences between kids here and kids there? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, they, they are just a lot more down to earth and a lot more relaxed and, um, you know, you know, even though you get a couple that are a little chatterbox, for the most part, they're very politeness, like, yes, ma'am, you know, <laughs> they're, they're just a lot more, um, you know, the, the, how they grow up, their values, and, um, you know, what they do for fun is a lot different. I think a lot of their education is, you know, they have a lot more wisdom as far as, you know, uh, fishing and hunting and, and things like that, um, you know, as far as, um, you know, education is, is not a big of a priority, you know, for some of them. Um, but I think it's a, it's a good balance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So do you find that the um, kind of general politics of where you are now suits you better than New York politics. New York is a very <laughs> blue democratic town. Like yes. it has its pockets of not, uh, you know, of Republican dominant right. areas, but it's mostly pretty, 
very liberal in New York. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And the way that you're describing your approach, it sounds more kind of, I don't know, libertarian to me. Um, More conservative. Um, It's, it's, it's a more conservative um, area where I am, you know, you can, every corner you turn, there's, you know, there's a church. Uh, A lot of things are closed on Sundays versus in in New York City. Um, You know, family is very important here. Um, Values. So it's, it's culturally, it's very different. And, you know, politically, I feel like I belong more here than, you know, all the things in in New York City, uh, very liberal, um, you know, and, and I don't feel like I fit in with a lot of the other, you know, especially the union, the union rep, um, the union, their, their beliefs um, and, and things like that. I remember some of the trainings that I had to attend in New York City on the, you know, social emotional learning. And it just felt like some stuff was starting to make me feel very uncomfortable. Um, you know, some, some of their their thoughts about, you know, how do you see yourself? And they had different shades of coffee cups and, you know, it was kind of more alluding to the fact like, you know, if you're, you know, hanging out with a darker, you know, shade of coffee versus a light, you know, thinking about like the people that you associate with. And it just made me kind of uncomfortable in you know the last year or two things that they were bringing in in that respect for the teachers for people who don't know um what is social emotional learning that you're referring to um just under the guise of you know equity and you know they they just these are all you know teacher trainings to try to get you um well the social emotional they wanted the kids to be well-rounded, you know, they felt like staying at home was affecting them. And I just think they, they snuck like little things in, but they they were just, you know, in the past year or two, I felt, you know, trying to sneak into the teachers while making sure that everybody's on the same level. And, you know, for you to think about the groups of people that you hang out with, And, you know, I felt like they were trying to make me be apologetic for, you know, the race I was born or the neighborhood I grew up in or or things like that. Mm -hmm. So it it just felt uncomfortable in that respect that they were trying to to push some of their thinking, you know, on the teachers, which I didn't really, um, you know, feel was necessary. You know, I don't stop and think. I grew up where I grew up. I went to school with who I went to school with. I'm friends with who I'm friends with. And, you know, I accept everybody. Right. So I don't need somebody to tell me, you know, to make me stop and think like, oh, you know, you you have to expand your, you know, circle of of whatever. You're you're saying expand your circle of uh shades of coffee cup <laughs> yeah that's the thing right right yeah like if you happen to meet somebody or work with somebody you know then you do I don't you know I I just I I felt it was just kind of being snuck in under some 
you know, other guys or something. You're talking about kind of a specific um, political or ideological approach to race relations and social. Yeah, that's 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 how it was. Yeah. Um, You know, and it was just like, you know, we were given this questionnaire. We had to answer like 18 questions about, you know, all of this. And, And I'm just like, why? You know, you're why? I just didn't feel it was appropriate to, to bring in. You were teaching in Queens, which is maybe one of the most diverse places in the world. <laughs> right. right. So I imagine the students that you were teaching were extreme. It was an extremely diverse group of kids. Um, most usually my classes, because at the you know, end of the year, we would have to make new classes for the next year, and we would have to put X amount, you know, of each uh, race and, you know, gender in, in classes to try to mix them up and, and everything. But about 50% of my classes have always been Hispanic. Um, you know, it was a highly Hispanic neighborhood. Right. Did you, did you feel like kids uh, got along? <laughs> kids know, what? that they got along across um you know yeah I didn't I didn't see an issue with that at all I never you know experienced any issues I mean it was petty stuff he said this she said this you know just nonsense but you know never about you know race it was never you know that I saw anyway yeah yeah we're just in school what we need to do right so um it's actually when I said libertarian before I was talking about you personally like the Mm -hmm. way that you're describing your um your view of public policy and um kind of the role that government should have in making personal you know affecting personal decisions it sounds more like a kind of libertarian um point of view that you have is that would you describe yourself that way or not I'm not sure. I mean, I know that I have a more, you know, conservative approach and, um, you know, to a lot of, you know, things that I personally believe in. Um, But I do not believe the government has, should have any say in, you know, what I put into my body or, um, you know, like I've never experienced this. I, you know, just can't believe that this is, this is the world that, you know, we're living in. And when I look at, geography again you know new york city is about you know eight nine hundred miles away from where i am in tennessee it's a whole world of difference because none of these those you know public policies that that the mayor has continued is going on here um you know and i was just completely shocked uh you know when new york city had these uh mandates to show your you know, vaccine papers to go into a restaurant, to go work out in a gym. Mm-hmm. Um, these are things that are supposed to be healthy for you, you know, for your, you know, physical and social and mental well-being. But yet I would not be allowed to go work out in a gym. I would not be allowed to sit down in a restaurant, which is, you know, my basic human right. If I have money, I should be allowed to do these things. I can't see a movie. I can't go to a Broadway play. Um, none of that exists you know, where I am in Tennessee. So that just doesn't seem uh, right at all. 
did your um did your view of politics in the United States or local politics change over the course of the pandemic? I mean, I always viewed myself as, you know, more conservative um, anyway, but, you know, definitely coming down here and seeing the things I'm seeing, my views have definitely changed, um, you know, from New York. I mean, you know, I was never accepted, you know, what the government said or their, you know, liberal, you know, agenda, but I think moving here, you know, I've become a lot more, you know, conservative in, in my views and the things that I see. I know that I feel, I believe that all of this is political in nature. These mandates that are being, you know, thrown at teachers and other city employees because it doesn't exist here. So you don't, um, so you think it's, it's sort of like completely cynical that it wasn't, you know, public um, officials doing their best to try to stop an illness from spreading. You think it was a, a just a political effort? <laughs> I, I mean, I think so, because they need to let people make choices. I mean, you know, who's to say you walk into a restaurant, you're not going to get food poisoning or, you know, you leave your house and you slip and fall. I mean, you again, you take a chance, you take a risk. Every single day, you know, you live your life, you leave your house and, you know, to prevent people from their livelihoods is, is a huge problem. And, you know, I know so many of my teacher friends or, you know, that have spouses that are sanitation or FDNY, you know, that have been, um, you know, displaced. Some of them are, are really struggling paying their bills. Some of them can't sell their homes you know, can't, are not allowed to work, can't, you know, pay bills that they would have normally paid with their salary. And it's, you know, every day I wake up so grateful to be here, but also at the same time, you know, I just can't believe I'm doing the same job I did 800 miles away and they can't do their jobs. So it, it has to be political. This is not about health. What do you think it is about? Like what, why, why would that be something that um, the government would do? It's an attack on the working class, control, power, um, you know, f I mean, forcing people out of New York, I, I, you know, a variety of reasons, but, you know, again, it, it can't be about health because if other parts of the country are, living their lives and working normally and doing the exact same jobs. You know, a teacher is a teacher in a classroom in Tennessee or New York City. I'm performing the same job, just in a different geographical area. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's the meanwhile, the sports uh, players and the entertainers, they can work unvaccinated. Um, I could walk into City Field or Yankee Stadium now that they've lifted these mandates. I could see a game, um, but I can't go teach in my classroom. I cannot understand how any of that makes sense. It is attack on our, you know, on the middle class. Hmm. Uh, 
all of the all of the um, you know really strong supporters that we've talked about um, of the mandates and other um, public health measures um, like the union and the politicians that have supported these things are, are all Democrats. These are um, all people, all entities that historically have been associated with the middle class and the working class, right? The Democratic Party and unions and, right? The, right. <laughs> these were supposed to be the, the um, groups that would empower and support the working people. So you think that has really shifted? Yeah, it's, again, I think it's just purely about, you know, controlling people. Um, because if they're going to let one class of people work and not another, how does that have to do with protecting anybody? Mm -hmm. You know, why is Kyrie Irving not a threat in Medicine Square Garden, but I'm a threat in, in Queens, teaching in a classroom? Mm -hmm. You know, we're both unvaccinated. How does that make any sense? How is the sanitation worker who's unvaccinated any more dangerous to work than an entertainer, you know, playing on Broadway or in a concert? It, it just doesn't make any sense. And I know that there are so many lawsuits going on and I just hope to see, you know, all of these mandates get overturned so people can go back to work because right now people are suffering without a paycheck. And they should not, they should be able to put food on their table, pay their rent. I mean, this is outrageous. If you're going to fire somebody, let it be for a good reason, a valid reason, not just that they're refusing um, a shot that the government's telling them they have to get. Is the, um, you're mentioning the legal actions that people are taking is that where you um, place your hope in things changing, that, that there will be legal cases that will win and overturn the regulations that have been put in place? Uh, I mean, that's one of the things I'm you know, following. There's so many Children's Health Defense Fund, New York Teachers for Choice. You know, there's great attorneys. I, I follow all their cases. I'm not involved in any, um, but I'm really, that is my hope that they see that all of this doesn't make any sense and that people's jobs can be restored. And, you know, the past eight, nine months that teachers have been, you know, out of work have really taken a hit on some of them. And, you know, I've heard about stories, they're just doing odd jobs and, you know, they're being denied for unemployment or they're having to apply for food stamps and Medicaid. And this just blows my mind how, they cannot support themselves, especially living in New York City with, you know, the bills, the mortgage or the rent that they're paying. It's, it's upsetting to me that they're having to go through this. Mm -hmm. Makes you think. <laughs> Do you know other people who have, uh, who have left New York? I know several people um, that have left, um, you know, I know, one person's moved to Tennessee, another to Virginia, another is waiting for her house to close, South Carolina. Um, you know, I know people are thinking about moving, um, trying to sell their homes. 
Um, so this is just a whole variety, but you know, I do know at least, you know, five people that have left New York City and more that are, you know, planning to hopefully if their house can sell, they're waiting for their kids to graduate high school. Um, so I mean, there's a lot of tough decisions to make. It was a very tough decision for me to uproot my entire family and pick up and move. But I know <clears throat> that I would probably be facing unemployment. Um, and I was just not willing to start another school year knowing that I had to you know, wear a mask and I had to be forced to test against my will because you know, that really took a toll on me you know, uh, emotionally and, and mentally just that this wasn't right. Do you think that it's a um, do you think that it's a strength of our um, <clears throat> system of government that we there is there are so many local differences and differences between states in our laws? You know, we don't have one central <clears throat> national government that's determining the, the um, regulations for the entire country. So things can like you could you have somewhere to go right. as as much of a transition as that was, and as much as you weren't plan, you know, planning to do that and you were kind of forced into it. Right. Do you think it's kind of a, a strength of our country, of the way our country is structured that there is somewhere to go? You don't have to stay and live under a regulatory system that you, that you don't accept? I mean, it shouldn't, I mean, thank goodness that there are states that you know, do believe in, in freedom. Um, however, um, it just, it doesn't seem right that you're forced to, you know, make a decision and pick up and leave where you were born, you know, where you have your job, where you have your friends, where you have your home and your whole lifestyle. Um, I mean, in one respect, it can be good, but it's, it just, it doesn't make sense that again, depending upon where you live, the rules are different. I just don't understand how how that makes sense, um, you know. And and I, I have a lot of anger and resentment, you know, the fact that I had to leave. Um, you know, I I am grateful where I moved that it's free, but I left a lot behind. You know, my life, my career, my friends my way of living. Um, and I feel like if I wanted to move, it should have been in my time when I was ready to move, when I retire, when I can make a, a better decision in, in my time, you know, based on everything, not feel like I've been forced out. Yeah, because you're not close to retirement. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not yeah, yet. Ways off of the future for you. Um, do you, if they change the um, the mandates, I won't say the laws because they're not actually laws; they're regulations. Right. Um, if if they change that, do you ever see yourself moving back? No, I mean I resigned, I severed ties, I took all my money out. Um, you know, I've uprooted my you know husband, my son. We've just established kind of, you know, a new life here. So I feel, you know, at this point, I couldn't go back to um, the school system in New York City. Um, 
I would probably have to grovel back from my job since, you know, I did resign and start from square one and it wouldn't look favorable. Um, and I just, I, you know, I made a clean break, so to speak. Um, and I've just, you know, established, you know, new, new ties here. Um, so I don't think I would go back. Right. What did it just, it, I don't know if you can give me a ballpark number on this, but what did it cost to move? Oh, well, um, I mean, the moving truck was probably, you know, at least 4,000, um, just having to buy, you know, new furniture. And I was here about six to eight weeks prior to my son and husband, because I had one week to get down here when I was offered the job. So I had to pretty much, you know, buy a second this and buy a second that I couldn't wait for that. So, you know, all in all with, with everything we had to buy and I, I don't know, 20,000 at least. And, you know, that's not including the two new cars that we had to, to get because used cars are really almost as much as a brand new car. So that was kind of a, you know, sticker shock also. So it, it you know, it cost a, a decent amount. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I, you probably didn't have to pay a broker's fee though. No, uh, no, no, we're, we're renting. We're renting right. an apartment. So it's not like in, in New York where you have to pay a huge broker's fee when you rent a new place. Yeah. Yeah. No, we yeah. didn't have to do that. Yeah. Well, that's, that's one good thing. Um, what have I not asked you about that is important to talk about? You know, just how, how unfair, you know, all the people in New York City have, you know, are, are how they're being treated, you know, every day I'll see something, you know, I'm, I'm pretty outspoken and, you know, I part of New York Teachers for Choice, I'm part of New York Stands Up, a medical freedom group, and I'm still kind of keeping in touch and in the loop of things that are going on. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just more upset that so many people have been, you know, affected and, um, you know, I just want to do whatever I can do, um, to try to, to change that. And I know that New York city is fighting really, really hard right now for those mandates to, to be uh, done away with. And, um, you know, it just, every day I'm, I'm, you know, grateful, not a day goes by that, you know, I'm not, I don't give gratitude that I am here and I'm working here. Um, but it should have been on my time, not being forced out due to a mandate or sticking up for my medical choices that I wanted to make. Um, so, you know, I don't know as far as any questions. I just want to know when when this is going to end and when justice is going to be served, which is a hard question for anybody to answer. And my, my son would not be allowed to go to college either. He's in a trade school here. Um, I know with the mandates in New York City, you know, he would not have any opportunities. Um, so that would, you know, that's another factor that I had to consider was his future too.
Because he would be required to be vaccinated to go to any to go to school. basically any, you know, trade school or, you know, city college or community college or college, you know, in New York City. And, you know, even some of the, you know, state colleges, I mean, they, they all vary. Um, but I know it would have, it would have been tough. We would have been, you know, fighting for some exemption and, you know, him not being allowed to go into a restaurant if he wanted to, you know, with his friends or go work out in a gym or go see a movie or things like that. That's, that's no way to live at all for anybody. And he's been pursuing his education down there. Yes, he's, he's in a trade school for automotive technology um, since January. So, you know, he's trying that out. He's happy with it so far? <laughs> um, yeah, you know, some days he has his struggles with, with okay. that, but you know, he knows why we had to, to move and, you know, it's, it's been a little harder on him getting used to a lot of the ways and, you know, the different, you know, way of living down here and, and people, um, you know, he does feel like an outsider and, um, you know, he's the only one from, from New York and, you know, in his whole class. So, and everybody's local from around here. So it, it takes getting some used to it's it's we're adjusting we're adjusting right well um before we um wrap this up is there anything else you want to tell people i just want to tell people you know keep fighting um for what you believe in if it doesn't feel right um you know not to just succumb to peer pressure um, you know, I, I know it is difficult, but if you need to choose, um, you know, between your job and, and somebody's telling you to do something or take something, just go with your gut. And it is, it's a huge sacrifice. Um, you know, and I'm very lucky that I have family here who was able to help me. And I was in the situation that I was, um, but just stick up for what you believe in and hold a line. Justice will be served one day. Um, and you know, it's just, it's so funny. I get asked, uh, why did you move to Tennessee? People here will ask me, my standard answer is just freedom. And then I elaborate what that means and they have no idea what's going on in New York City. They have no clue the magnitude of they didn't even know that there's mandates, you know, to sit in a restaurant, even though they, you know, supposedly got rid of that. Um, but to work as a teacher, they had no idea. So it's it's quite eye-opening, you know, when I talk to people down here too. I think they see things in a whole different light, like, wow, you know, they took their freedom for granted, which we can't. 